the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? Nick Calgaramitros, host of the Paper Trails Podcast. And uh, we are back, season two, episode 19. And uh, we're with Bill Bingham. And so I know Bill through some mutual friends. Yep. Actually, uh, Chef Mark Allison, right. who was on our uh, podcast last season, probably about a year ago. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we met and uh, have been having a good time chit chatting a little bit. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Bill's background how we got into the food business, you know, pretty, pretty different story yes. than kind of your, the normal, yeah. you know, come out of school, you know, right. culinary kind of that whole right. thing. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, Bill started his company 15, 16 years ago and he, you do in home. Um, I'm a, it's, it's funny. People will call me a caterer. I'm not a caterer. Okay. I'm a personal chef, personal chef. And the difference is caterers will prepare food and dump it and leave. Okay. I don't. I stay, I prepare food, I uh, service the food. I mean, we come in, we're a a turnkey operation where I plan it, buy it, cook it, prep it, clean the house, and we're out the door. So when, it's funny, that's usually the, when it, when I make the sale with my clients, uh-huh. it's the cleaning portion that really kind of, <laughs> you know, because I tell them, when we leave, you won't even know we were there. And, and that's true. That's awesome. People can sit down and have a party for 50, we're out the door, there's there maybe a couple wine glasses left to clean, but everything else is taken care of. And what's your what's your company name? Uh, Chef Bill Bigham. Chef Chef Bill Bigham. LLC. Nice. So anyway, welcome out. Good to see you guys, and uh, super pumped to have <clears throat> Bill as a guest. And so, Bill, let's let's start off sure. a little of your background. Where I, are you from? I, You're from Charlotte, or no? No, I am actually a Michigander. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a little suburb of Detroit, Gross Point. Um, was there through college. I went to college in Michigan, okay. little tiny school in Grand Rapids. Okay. Met my wife in college, got married, uh, and I started working for Procter & Gamble uh, in uh, Flint, Michigan. Great city to be from. <laughs> the metropolis. Of- oh, yeah. Uh, I was up in Flint for um, maybe a year. Uh, moved down to Detroit in a, my first management position. Uh, was there for a year, and then I was promoted out to New York. Okay. Uh, so I was in New York in, it would have been January of, of 72. Okay. Uh, where I became the Folger Coffee District Sales Manager. So okay. I, I ran the coffee business in New York. So Procter & Gamble at that time owned, owned Folger's? Owned, owned, owned Folger's Coffee. Okay. Um, so And, I, and I, I was responsible for state of New Jersey, the five boroughs, uh, Westchester County, Putnam, and Orange County, and then eventually took over upstate New York. Did you know anything about New York before going? A uh, funny story. Okay. You know, funny. It really was funny. Let me funny. hear it. Let me uh, hear it. I'm a Midwestern kid. I mean, I just, I'm a Midwesterner. I don't, yeah. you know, I hadn't been, I hadn't been East at ever. And I'll never forget, uh, I went out ahead of my wife, uh, and at the time we had a infant, a baby, and I'm flying into New York, and it was dusk, and as we got closer, there were more and more lights and more lights and more lights. I went, oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? No clue. I had a clue. And then this, uh, I mean, this is the biggest place I ever saw in my life. I, if you've ever flown in New York at night, the lights are just just incredible. So I went out there and <laughs> for the story, I met with my new boss the, like the, the, the next day. And I said, you know, I'm married, I've got a little baby, which he knew. And I said, I need to find a place to live. 
And I, I said, do you have any suggestions? And he said, yeah, I would start in Connecticut, New Jersey, and then look at New York. I said, those are three states. He goes, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was a whole new experience for me. And we started looking at uh, uh, back in at that time. I mean, it was it was tough buying a house. Uh, so I wanted to rent uh -huh. and the rents that were just off the charts high. Really? Really expensive. Okay. And I got very excited. We, I found one place and I told, I called my wife. I said, you know, it's okay. There's a big hole in the floor in the living room, but we can fix that. You know? <laughs> You're serious? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, so it, it was it a, a change in, in uh, yeah, a huge change. Wow. But it didn't take me, I'm very adaptable. It didn't take me long to get used to New York and uh, become a New Yorker. Um, so you consider yourself a New Yorker? Oh God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no. When I was well, when you're there and you're living there, sure. you gotta be one. Yeah. Because if you don't, you'll get eaten alive. Mm. And I mean, it's when you're on the road, you know, you got maniacs, and I, and I was a maniac on the road because you never see these people again. You know, so you cut somebody off and you yeah. flip them off and away you go, and you know, that's <laughs> that's that's a New Yorker. But so I was, uh, I worked for Proctor. I was in New York for uh, twenty some odd years. Uh, which was great. Well, it was it was interesting too because at P and G, New York, New York's a tough market. It really is a very difficult market. You talking about business wise? Business wise, okay. yeah. And in general, yeah. Okay. And no matter really, no matter what you're in, but okay. uh, in our in our business, it was tough. Um, they uh, they meaning uh, Proctor, if they had somebody that was working in New York, and liked it and was doing well, performing yep. well, yep. they left you alone. And the reason they left you alone is that nobody wanted to go. Really? Yeah. So when they found somebody that was happy there, uh -huh. hey, leave him alone. Just, you know, and he's being, and he's successful, just leave him alone. And that's kind of how the company uh, handled me. Uh, but uh, I was... What, what do you think, what do you think attributed your success in New York? Just, you know, just curious now. Um, Anything in particular that you think helped you? People skills, yeah. work ethic. I mean, what in anything well, particular? I work. Procter and Gamble is uh, a, a very ethical corporation. Okay, uh, they're extremely ethical, and that played to one of my strengths. Okay, uh, tell the truth, transparent, open absolutely book. open, and don't don't try to you know don't try to BS somebody. Just tell them tell them what's happening. Yeah, and uh, so and that that work ethic is also something that uh, that. From my Midwestern background, uh, the Midwest the Midwest people are fabulous. They they are very very hardworking people. Yeah. So the combination of that. What was interesting too is when I went to New York, um, I I graduated as I said from a very small Catholic school in okay. Grand Rapids, Michigan, okay. Aqu Aquinas College, you know that big. Tiny. And I went out to New York. My boss was a Harvard grad. Uh, I worked with one of my coworkers who graduated from Dartmouth. <laughs> Um, so I'm walking in this little Midwestern tiny school up against these Ivies. Yeah. And I quickly came to the realization that it didn't matter where you went to school mm. unless you could become a doctor or a lawyer. Sure. But well, your undergrad didn't matter. And so I was, I worked hard, um, uh, and it was, it was fun. It really it was, it was a good time. That's awesome. Uh, love New York. Uh, I had, my second child was born there. Uh, we lived in Jersey. Uh, and what was very cool, uh, we lived, we eventually ended up 
uh, about halfway between Philadelphia and New York, okay. uh, in the country and uh, Jersey, which is kind of an oxymoron. Uh, but it was a great place to, to for kids because you got the exposure of the city with all the, the restaurants and the uh, theater and the museums and the same thing in Philadelphia. So uh, it was it was it was a fun place. But I hit a point in time in my career that my kids were growing. They both educated and it was time to get the heck out of New York. It was just and you were in New York for you know, 20, 24 years from 92 to or I'm sorry, 72 to 95, okay. 20, 23 years. So um, I had an opportunity to move to Charlotte with okay. the company. OK, uh, I moved down here uh, and uh, I love the only the only the thing I've learned most about Charlotte is I, I, I discovered it probably too late in my life. I should have been down here 40 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. a great town. It's a great city, and it's back to back to New York. Sure. Favorite things about New York? Food. The food, without question. What's your favorite food, and or that, or is, is there a I, New York? No, it's and that's the thing. That was a great thing about New York is the cuisines. You could get Italian, French, Greek, uh, Chinese, whatever cuisine you wanted. Wow, you could find, and find good quality food good authentic oh my god it was just and i used to we and i we used to go to new york a lot and eat, eat in new york it what, was just, what's your favorite food uh Any, love, anything you gravitate, you gravitate towards i love french french i love the i love french french and italian okay. uh, i really do there's not a cuisine that i don't make sure uh, i can't cook yeah uh, but the french uh, we went my wife and i went to france about four years ago, four or five years ago. Uh -huh. And we went for six weeks. Uh -huh. And I mean, I would talk about being in heaven. You loved it? Oh my God, it was just, the food was, I mean, it was just. Favorite uh, dish? Oh, uh, the food. <laughs> uh, I could, in France, I could live on cheese, pate, bread, and wine. That's it, that's all you need. I mean, I mean, everything else. I mean, their dishes are great. I mean, they are tremendous sauces. Uh, they make great. I'm, I'm a pretty good sauce maker. Okay. Uh, and their sauces are just off the charts. We did the same thing a few years earlier, but before that, we went to Italy for six weeks. Okay. And the thing that was, to me, uh, that was absolutely uh, very revealing uh -huh. is how simple their dishes are. Explain. What do you mean? Two or three ingredients. That's it. Fresh food. It's all fresh. It's, you know, it was either in the lake, in the field, like the day before. Yep. Uh, there's a little restaurant in uh, Como, Lake Como, uh -huh. that we went to. Probably my, the greatest restaurant I've ever eaten anywhere in the world. Are you serious? And it was called uh, El Navadado. Okay. And this is one that they, was in the families for, oh, God, you know, eight generations. This building was up the okay. mountain, and it was, the ambiance was spectacular. Okay. But then they brought, started bringing the food. Uh-huh. Greatest dish I've ever had. Wow. It was three ingredients. It was a homemade pasta, uh -huh. which is significantly different in Italy than it is in the U.S. Okay. Uh, white truffle and olive oil. Wow. That was it. Simple. Three ingredients. Simple, easy, and honest to God, it was like you ate it and you went, whoa, this is just beyond belief. <laughs> Life changing. Oh, my God. It was so. But so it's. Uh, uh, explain the pasta. The pasta. It, it's pa hard pasta. to explain. Pasta in Italy, pasta here. Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, it's. The ingredients, the, the, how it's grown. It's, what is, it's, I'm sure it's the ingredients. I'm sure the wheat that they use 
is, uh, is, you know, like I said, it was in the field growing yesterday. Um, just a little thicker. Um, the, the pastas in the States, it's the whole, you can tell homemade pasta. Uh, you really can. Uh, I don't know if you've ever made homemade pasta. No. Real simple to make. Uh -huh. And it is, it's like canned mushrooms and fresh mushrooms. I mean, there's no comparison. Sure. Uh, so it's, it's uh, it really, I mean, and the, I mean, I just, when I go out to eat too, and, I, and when I was in Italy and in France, uh, you can get chicken anywhere, you know. I, I'm a very adventurous eater. Okay. So I was eating pigeon. Uh, I was eating well, wild boar is spectacular. Wow. I mean, it just, the dishes are just phenomenal. The cool thing in both countries, uh, I've got a great uh, travel agent here that knows me and knows what I like. Uh, <clears throat> she informed all the hotels that we stayed at that I was a chef. So, and when I go to, when I travel like that, uh, I always go to the concierge and say, where do you eat? Yeah. Not where should I eat? Where do you eat? Yeah. And the, he would hook me up in the restaurants. And every restaurant I went to, he would tell them when he made the reservation, he or she made the reservation, that I was a chef. Yeah. Well, I, well you know, I, I walk into a restaurant and I'm a, the chef from America is here. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and I ended up in the, every kitchen. Wow. And I'm telling you, I mean, we were That's kind of cool, isn't it? Oh, my God. What was cool, too, is the, uh, a lot of times I didn't speak Italian. I didn't, I don't speak French. Yeah. And they, and then most of the times the chefs did not speak English, but we didn't have to. We talked food. Mm. Uh, we were in, I think it was uh, Avignon in France. Uh, and we had a cassiolet. Cassiolet is a, is a very French dish. It's, uh, it is a duck leg, it's sausage, it's white bean, and it's a, a kind of a casserole. Okay. That, I mean, God, if you eat that, you just say, send me, I'm done. Uh, send me to heaven. I've, well, and we, so I went in the bath, the bath. chef came out, introduced uh -huh. himself. We went back in his kitchen and he showed me how to make it. Wow. And most of the restaurants did that. They would, they would run through and show me dishes and how they did it and how they prepared, which was. That's not, I mean, that's not common here, is oh, it? Oh God, no. Oh, but yeah. it's so interesting how over there they're so welcome. You food, know I mean? food in Europe is so different than it is in the United States. You've spent time in Greece. Oh yeah. And so you can. Every you, summer as a kid. Yeah. So you understand food. Food is is a kind of the center of a lot of their culture. I mean, it's it it's a place where people will sit and they will be with family, and they will. I mean, I'd sit down for dinner. Well, I knew going over that you, you make a reservation for nine, not six thirty. <laughs> that is the bill. You are a million percent correct. Yeah, yeah. I would call even even this year. My, my parents went to Greece to go visit our family over there for mm. you know couple, you know six weeks, couple months, and uh, and you know I would I would call them or they would call me in the morning, you know, and it's seven hour difference, and so they'd be eleven p.m. midnight wrapping up their dinner, yeah, yeah. and I'm getting up for work, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, like what? Like, what time is it? They're like, yeah, we just wrapped up our dinner. We're walking on the beach, you know, going to grab when, some uh, corn on the cob or some yeah. ice cream. And I'm like, what? It's, it's midnight. <laughs> yeah. uh, the first Very big difference. Huge difference. Drastic. So the, the, the time you eat is different. Mm. The way you eat is different. Unpack that. Um, when you sit down for dinner, you're, the, that table is yours. 
for two, three hours. Yeah. Nobody comes and rushes you, yeah. hurries you. In fact, most places I had to tackle people to get a check. Uh, but I mean, it's it's not right. In the U.S., you got to turn tables. I was you got to get them in and get them out. Get them in, get them out. In Europe, in France, and in, in Italy, it's it's yours. Yeah. And you sit there and you drink three bottles of wine. You eat, you know, you eat five courses of food. Yeah. Uh, you and it's just, it's it's. Uh, and I tell people, uh, it's it's almost it's almost a religion. Food is almost a religion in Europe. They they really understand food. We're getting there. Yeah. But the economic structures in the U.S. is such. When you look at rents that we pay and, and uh, the help, we, if you can today, if you can find it, uh, that you pay, your overhead, your margins are so very, very thin in yeah. the restaurant business that you've got to turn those tables. I mean, you don't. You have to do the volumes. Have to. You have to turn. I mean, if you're not turning your tables at least twice, probably three, four times a night, yep. uh, you're, you're in trouble. Yep. You're not going to make. You're going to be out of business. Yep. Europe. Hey, it's your very different. Oh, it's different. It really is. I, I just um, the uh, another difference between the two countries are portions. Okay. Um, Europe will. I mean, you'll eat three, four, five courses. Uh, U.S. You can do that, but the you know, have you ever been to a restaurant recently where you don't get a take take a uh, take home box? No. Everybody takes food home. Yeah, that Give is me true. a to-go box. Yeah. You know, the portions in this country are massive, stupid. Yeah. They're so big. And I've talked to a number of my rest, my chef buddies. Yeah. I said, why do you do that? They said, well, I have to. Yeah. For a competitive reason. Especially here in the South. Oh, my God. I mean, it's a little different maybe when you go Northeast, yeah. New York, you know, some of those places, big city, it's Chicago. Still, but. It's still, I mean, you, you, go to, you go to the big Midwestern, you know, you get a steak the size of your head, <laughs> you know, and you, you do it, come on. But it's just, you don't need that much food. Yeah. And that's, and that's you know, and that's really addresses the whole obesity health problem, all that. I mean, you don't, we don't need as much food as we eat. Mm. We really don't. Yeah. And the Europeans, they got it. They understand it. Now, wine's pretty good, too. You know, the other thing that I've noticed, even about Greek cuisine, is that there's not as much sauces, ranches, like, I mean, like, it's not, I mean, there it's olive oil, vinegar on your salads, oh, clean that's lemon it. over yep. some Little pork lemon. chops, yep. you know, yep. like over... You know, yep. so yeah, this other thing, I, I mean, tzatziki, yeah. you know, is, is one, but there's not that yeah, much but the, but as the, it is here. But a tzatziki is yogurt. It's yogurt, yogurt cucumber, uh, red onion. It's lighter, it's, exactly. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a simple, simple. It's, I tell people, uh, as I said, I, I'm a pretty good, so I like sauces. Yes. I like to make sauces. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to salad dressings, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I bought a bottle of salad dressing. I, I just don't. Interesting. I mean, in my back, in my pantry, I've got olive oil. Mm -hmm. I've got four or five, six different types of vinegars. Yep. That's it. Maybe a little, uh, if I want to uh, emulsify it, I'll throw a little uh, Dijon mustard in it. Uh, give it a little zip. Uh, and that's, and also Europe, uh, as opposed to the U.S., when you get a salad, you always get your salad last. That's the the cleansing. But the dressing, they they don't they don't uh, 
drown it. No, no, it's very it's light. Light, it, because you want. That's what I cook. Well, uh, people will ask me the uh, the style of cooking that I do, and I tell them that I really do uh, what I call a simply elegant. Okay. Uh, real simple food, very elegant food. I don't. I'm not a big urban spice guy. I, I you know, when it, if I'm doing a piece of beef or a piece of pork, or it's salt and pepper. That's it. Yeah. And I and I want you to be able to taste the beef, yeah. taste the pork, the lamb, the chicken, the duck, whatever it is. I, you know, I may have a little sauce on the side, sure, uh, sure, sure. but just you know, just I want you to taste the food, and that's the I love it. That's the you know it, that's what's really key, what's great about my business sure. that I do. Uh, as I said, I'm a personal chef. I go and I do parties, I do dinners. Uh, <clears throat> At my age, uh, and uh, we can talk a little bit about how I got into the business. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's do that. Um, I worked for Procter until I was 56 years old. Okay. And then in Charlotte, uh, they opened up Johnson & Wales in September of 04. I, I retired in January of 04. Okay. And I was in the first graduating class at Johnson & Wales. Okay. Which was kind of cool. Okay. Um, I went back to college. I was 56 years old. What was that like? Well, funny story. I'll never forget. Uh, and Art Gallagher, who was the president of the university, okay. who is now a very dear friend of mine. Uh, I had to go down f to the admissions department. I'm 56. Okay. And I have to have a college interview. <coughs> I sit down with this young man who's probably 20, maybe 21. Yeah. And he starts. He starts asking me, you know, the the admission questions. Yeah. And I stopped him. I said, I don't mean to sound rude, but when I was in business, I recruited my own organization. I recruited at Princeton, Harvard, Lafayette College. I said I talked to twelve thousand kids like you. And he looked at me, he said, we're done. <laughs> what is he going to say? We're done. Yeah. So we then, the campus was just being built. It was still in the construction. Uh -huh. So that particular day I was down there, there was a young lady, her mom and her grandmother. Uh, were, and we, the, the four of us, along with this young man, we went on a tour of the campus. Sure. We just went out on Trade Street and looked at the buildings as they're being built. Yeah. Cross the street. <clears throat> is a guy in a tweed coat and a bow tie. And I said, you know, you're not from around here. You know, there ain't a whole lot of tweed coats and bow ties in downtown Charlotte. Yeah. So he walked across the street, very, very cordial, and he introduced himself. And he said, I'm Art Gallagher. I'm president of the university. Uh, and he looked at the young lady and said, what are, what are you going to major in? And she said whatever it was. And he introduced himself to the mom and the grand grandmother. Yeah. He came to me, and I looked at him, I said, uh, I'm Adrian, culinary arts. And it was like deer in the headlights. <laughs> he thought I was grandpa. <laughs> That's funny. And, and, and <clears throat> I'm telling you, he tells that story a thousand times. But it was, uh, it was interesting going back to school. 56, 18-year-olds. <clears throat> and the, with my business background, with my work ethic, it was so different. I mean, it was so different. It's, I mean, the kids were, you know, we would, uh, 
we, we, class would begin, a, a, new, a new class would start, and we would be given, given the syllabus, and we had to do a, a paper, a term paper, sure. um, and the paper was worth 20% of your grade, and kids would go, eh, I'm not going to do that. And I said, what do you mean you're not going to do that? Yeah. Well, I just, I don't feel like doing it. I said, it's 80%, you know, it's 20% of your grade. That means in order for you to get an 80%, you have to get 100% on, on everything else. Yeah, you know. So it was, there was a number of kids that I kind of took under my wing and kind of uh, mentored them through school. Sure. And it was great fun. It was, the way the school was designed <clears throat> was perfect for me. It was perfect because it was, a, it was three trimesters a year. Okay. I had to go, I got my associate's degree and I, it was, um, yeah, it was six Six segments, six trimesters, six trimesters I had to okay. do. The, the, uh, a trimester, you would take, a class would be nine days. That's it. Wow. Nine days. But I went from 1.30 in the afternoon to 7.30 at night. So we were there for six hours a gotcha. day. So it was an extremely compact time. Sure. Uh, we would do, we'd have a test every day. We'd cook, we'd clean. You had to do a paper in that nine day period. Uh, and it was so, but for me, it was one class at a time. Yeah. If I had to do three or four classes at a time, I'm not sure if that would have been, yeah. that wouldn't have been, but having where I could focus a hundred percent on one class, mm. boom. Um, so I did that, uh, in the summer, one of the trimesters I had to do an, an internship. Okay. And I did that down at the Pinehurst Country Club. Okay. And that what was, was that, oh, that was spectacular. God, that was fun. I mean, it was. Now I was down in Pinehurst for thirteen weeks. So I had uh -huh. to, I got an apartment, so I lived down in Pinehurst for was that the first restaurant you had to work at, or the first time. That was, and that was. I had, I had, I, I was a business background. I'd yeah. never worked in a restaurant in my sure, life. Sure, sure. So I go down to Pinehurst. So what was that like? Oh, was, so that was. Uh, oh, it was spectacular. It was. I tell people that Johnson & Wales taught me skill. Pinehurst taught me real world. Sure. One of, one of the very first times I was there, I, the, you know, I, had, uh, the, I worked for a, the sous chef, and the sous came in and said, yeah, I need you to take some cherry tomatoes and have them. Cut yeah. them in half. Yeah. I went, yeah, okay. So he drops a crate. <laughs> Boom. Of cherry tomatoes. Yeah. So I take one of the pints out and I take a tomato and I cut it in half. I take another tomato and cut it in half. He comes up and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm cutting them in half. He goes, no. He takes, you know, a handful of tomatoes, puts them on, he takes his knife, goes, whoosh, whoosh, cuts them all. I went, oh, okay. That's how you do it. And that, they are, um, the what was great experience for me at Pinehurst was they operated on the, uh, uh, the brigade system. And if anybody is, is in a, a, an old time, usually a very upscale restaurant, okay. they will operate on the brigade system. Which means what? The brigade system was created by a French chef called Escoffier. Escoffier was the first guy to put recipes down in, in a book, written form. Okay. Military, militaristic background. Okay. He set up his kitchen as a, mili as a military structure. Okay. You would have your head chef, your sous chefs. Then you had your different departments. You would have butcher. You would have grammage, which is your cold food. You had your rotisserie, which is the grilling. You had um, your bakery. So each, each 
area of the restaurant, the food, you would have a specific um, area gotcha. that would do nothing but that. Okay. And when I went down there, I was able, I rotated. So I worked, I worked them all. Favorite? Uh, butcher. I love okay. butchering. Butchering's awesome. Did that surprise you? That, that, no. That, that'd be your favorite? No. Well, I love, uh, I had to take a butchering class in school. Okay. And I'll tell you what, give, give me, you know, a piece of meat and a knife. I'm a happy, <laughs> I'm a happy guy. <laughs> it's really cool. That's so but, funny. But it was good. Uh, what I really learned is I spent a, a lot of that summer in, uh, what, in the banquet kitchen. Okay. And it was it was interesting. There was a sous chef and three interns. Okay. And that was it. And we were doing fifteen hundred meals a night. Wow. Okay. Big we, numbers. We weren't doing burgers and dogs. I mean, we were doing big time food. Yeah. That taught me how to prepare. You've been to weddings or you've been to banquets. You've and you know two hundred and fifty people sitting out there, and all of a sudden here comes the food. Yeah. And the salads come out, and the salads are ice cold. Yeah. And then here comes the entree or the soup. The soup is hot, and yeah. the entrees are hot. And you figure you're yeah you know there's two hundred. How, how the hell do you do that? Yeah. I learned how to do that. Mm. Most of that stuff is prepped the day before. Sure. And then they will fire it in the ovens or whatever like a half hour before service time. That's what, you know, I learned that. And that in my business, my business is really kind of unique. I, I would say I'm unique to my business. Sure. Because I've incorporated my business background and my culinary background and my sales background into the business. Explain that. Uh, business background. Uh, P&G has, uh, has a process called uh, for new items. We're gonna we're gonna introduce a new item. So there's a new new coffee item coming out. Sure. And what we did is we started and said, okay, we want we want the coffee on the shelf, okay, on the eighth of July, okay, of whatever year. Sure. We would then work backwards on what we had to do to get there. Gotcha. That's what I do in my business. <clears throat> uh, I set up a when I when I when I meet with a client the very first when I I'll sit down we'll develop a menu. Sure. And, and I tell people when, when we're done developing, they're done. All you have to do is show up and I, you know, everything else happens. Well, that, that just the beginning for me. So what I'll do is, um, we got the menu. I come, I come home. Uh, I've got all my recipes on my computer. I pull every recipe that I, that I'm going to use for that meal. Sure. I then develop a grocery list <clears throat> and the grocery list is I list every item in that recipe. Mm. Salt, pepper, olive oil, everything, everything, eggs, whatever it is, <clears throat> I list it. And then I will, how much I need and where am I going to get it? Have you always been a detail person? Yes. Well, that was my P&G training. Gotcha. I mean, it was, that's, that's how they taught us. It's a, it, but it's a good lesson for everybody to oh. learn, you know, like if you have any type of business, oh, yeah. restaurant for sure, yeah. but... Par levels, mm. organization, yeah. ingredients, yeah. locations. Absolutely. Away, right? I tell you, and what, when, I, when I sit down with clients too, they say, you know, dinner parties drive me crazy. And that's because you're not organized. Mm. So once I, once I have my grocery list, and when I say, sh where am I going to get it? I, I, I shop Teeter. I shop Costco. I shop Whole Foods. Everywhere. Trader Joe's. Restaurant Depot. I know where I can get what I need. Sure. So I developed that. <clears throat> I then developed what I call a weekly 
to-do list. So what I'll do is I just an Excel spreadsheet, five days in the week, Saturday's the event, okay? So I have to shop Monday or Tuesday, I shop. Here's where I'm going. And then here's what I do on Wednesday. I, I thaw this, I prep this, I sear that, I make a, I make a sauce, I, and I do it every day. Everything that I have to do. Well, I love that. When that's done, uh, I'm all prepped. When I, and I develop what I call an hourly to-do list. And not an hourly to-do list is first plates down at seven o'clock. Seven, 6.45, 6 o'clock, right across the Excel. Here's when the beef goes in, here's where the potato goes on, here's when I make the salad, here's when I, you know, whatever, saute this, and it's right across the board. Schedule. Yeah, and I take great pride, and I've never missed a, 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 a first plate down, never. I love that. But it's there, it's in black and white. And I've got, I've got my servers that help me, who are tremendous. Um, but, and they will, I'm at a point now that I have one young lady who was supposed to be with us tonight, but she couldn't make it. Uh, Randy, Randy, Randy's at a point now where we've been working together so long, there's a lot of things I just let her do. Sure. She knows. She knows. And I don't have to say, gee, can I, you know, I need that. It's there, you know. So it's, uh, that's the only way I can do what I do. If I, if I didn't do that, I'd be, I'd be lost. You know, working in my, uh, you know, in my dad's restaurant built growing up and, you know, being in expoing and calling tickets and, you know, kind of doing the whole thing and prepping plates and putting them on trays and getting all that stuff ready. You know, um, you know, I, I normally have somebody with me kind of pre prepping, putting big potato down, oh, yeah. you know, me get you know, putting all the fish or whatever. It, it is a, especially when you know each other and you know the work. It is a dance. It is the most harmonious. It is think, the most. One of the, you're right. Because I mean, think about a, uh, in a in, I'll use a football analogy. I mean, Tom Brady knows where his receivers are going to be when they, you know, when he's, and the ball's released and the guy's in anywhere, all of a sudden he's there and he makes a catch. Yep. I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the fun nights we had when, we, when I was down at Pinehurst, to your point, yep. is when we played it. Uh, and we would do four or five events that would be 200, 250 per event. Yeah. And we had a line. We had a table, uh, probably 15, 20 foot long. Uh, and each component of the plate would be on that table. Okay, so you'd have your, the sous chef would create what they, he called a show plate. This is what I want your plate to look like. Okay. Exactly like that. Okay. No variants. You know, here's where the meat goes, here's where the starch goes, here's where the vegetable, here's, where, you know, that was it. And then each s station, there would be, here was, the, here was the starch, here was the veggie, here was the beet, here was the sauce, and the plates would go right down the line. Yeah. Well, we were doing it one night, and we got, we, got, we got pretty good. We got down, I think the last night I was there, we did like 250 in about 12 minutes. It was great. And that, you're right, it was a dance. But the one night we were there, there was a... Uh, an executive chef over all of the restaurants in Piners. Piners had seven restaurants. Uh -huh. And Mark was a, uh, uh, a really good guy. And he happened to be walking through the kitchen, the banquet kitchen. And we were one short on the line. We needed, we needed a body. Yeah. And as he was walking through, I yelled at him. I said, hey, throw some gloves on, jump on the line. 
Well, you know, I'm 56. I'm an intern. These other guys are, you know, this is their career. Yeah. Nobody ever speaks to the executive chef like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they're going, what are you doing? I said, yeah, what's he going to do, fire me? Yeah. So he jumped, he gets his gloves on. And when he got done that night, he came over and he said, you know what? I want to thank you. He says, I haven't done that in so long. And that was really fun That's to awesome. do. Yeah, it was. It was cool. That's awesome. When I went down, <laughs> I love my Piner's experience. Um, I sent in, I had to send in a resume, and I, I'm sure it had my age on it. Well, I was 56 years old. Yeah. And, and I called him. I said, look, before you make any decision, talk to me. Yeah. I want to sit out face to face. Yeah. And then you make your decision. So I drove over to Piners, and we had to sit down, and, you know, that yeah, would not a problem. I mean, I kind of I smoked him. Yeah. Uh, and... We got all done. I said, well, thanks. And he gave me starting dates and all that stuff. And as I'm walking out, he says, well, don't you want to know what I'm going to pay you? And I went, yeah, okay, what are you going to pay me? He said, $7 an hour. And I said, man, that's great. I said, that's awesome. And he looked at me. He said, what do you mean it's awesome? I said, well, the last summer job I had was in 1968. I made $3 an hour. So I figure I'm well ahead of the game. <laughs> so that was a that was a great experience. That's so fun. Yeah, it really was. It was a lot of fun. But so intern Johnson at Wales, you graduate, yeah. end up starting your own business. Well, I told. I told did, did you work anywhere after no, graduating? No, I've so never you, never worked in a restaurant. So you just started no. working. Well, and actually, uh, Johnson at Wales would tell parents that, and it was kind of their motto was that 90, 95, 98% of the kids when they graduate would have jobs. Sure. And I told Art, Art, I'm going to be in that 2%. I've worked. I don't want to work. Yeah. I just, you know. Uh, so I started cooking friends, you know, just, uh, you know, people that I knew said, gee, we're going to have a dinner party. Would, could you, would you? And I said, yeah, sure. So I started doing that. Not, you know, just kind of doing it. Yeah. And then in, I think it was 07, either 07 or 08, the Charlotte Magazine uh, voted me best of best personal chef in Charlotte. Okay. I was, so, and my business went. From that? <laughs> yeah. Just took off. What What's something, Bill, that you've learned the last, call it, you know, 15, 16 years that you've had your own business for any business owner looking to start a business? 18, 22, out of college, even later in life. You know, somebody that's had a career, they want to transition, they work for the guy, they realize, you know what, I'm, 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 there's a glass ceiling here that I, know, I didn't know what I was aware of. I want to do my own thing. What are some things that you've learned? Hang-ups, you know, uh, is there any experience from your background yeah. working for a big company, and now you can kind of juxtapose both your own business versus right. corporate? Suggestions, thoughts on a young entrepreneur just starting out their business first six months, 12 months, 24 months. Work your ass off. Work hard. Just work ethic. Just work ethic. I mean, you got to put the time in. If you don't put the time in, it's not going to happen. True. It's not going to happen. Um, uh, so you got to work hard. Uh, if you have people that are working with you. Yep. Respect the devil out of them. Mm. Okay, don't treat them like help. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've got five, six, seven people that I call on. That I'm. So, I'm the boss. Yeah. 
but I still respect them. Sure. And we have fun. So respect the people. Also, don't be don't be afraid uh, to take chances and risks. You know, just if 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 you think something might work, well, hell, go for it. Yeah. Try it. Also, when you're dealing, and I, a lot of people have a hard time dealing with the public. Um, don't put up with any crap. Really, I mean, if people are rude yeah. or people are nasty, yeah, don't deal with them. It's so interesting you say that. <clears throat> so for my for the for the paper company that we have, you know, I'm I'm in this I'm in sales, and you know, for me, I want every customer. I want every sale, and oh, yeah. it's so interesting. I I I, I spoke to you know, um, you know, a, a mentor of mine in the business, and I and I said, you know, if we have a certain customer that is just, just whatever it is, you know, they're not paying on time, they're nagging, like it's just. Do, is there ever a point where you don't want certain customers? And he said, absolutely. Absolutely. There, you have to absolutely. know your worth. You yeah. have to know, you have to be okay with. One, one of the things I learned too is I'm good at what I do. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I am good. My food, the food that I prepare is excellent. Yeah. Uh, people will ask me my favorite restaurant in town. Yeah. I point to my kitchen. <laughs> it's my favorite restaurant in town. Is it hard for you to go to restaurants yeah. having a background? I'll, I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm good at what I do. My food is good. Yeah. Your brand is worth something. Mm. It really is. It's a good point. Okay. Don't ever cheapen your brand. Yeah. I had a woman one time who wanted me to do a party and her budget was, uh, she said, I'd like to spend, you know, $25 a head. Yeah. And I said, go to Costco and buy frozen pigs in a blanket. I mean, that's, I'm not a $25. And I and, and I told my, the, my, organ, my, my, my folks, I said, look, I'm not going to cheapen my brand. Yeah. I'll lose the business. Sure. I will. That doesn't bother me at all. But if I happen to do a normal, and I do things 100%. Sure. I'm not going to cheapen it up. If I do something for $25 a head, and it's great, these people are going to tell other people, hey, give this guy a call, great food, and it's $25 a head. He's cheap. And you're, you've just destroyed your brand. Mm. So I will not, and I get a, I, having done it for you know 15 years, I get a pretty good idea, pretty good flavor of people sure uh, there are there are some people that i just i i, I, I choose not to, to do business sure. with well you know your business model right you know what you're looking for absolutely you know your client you know what you want yep. you know the worth in your brand right and so you know for anybody out there listening you know that that is just now getting started or is figuring it out yeah maybe they're a couple of years in and they're still kind of figuring it out what is your model? The, what, you know, who who, are, who is your customer, right? All right, all right. And one of the things that uh, I found very difficult uh, at, the, at the beginning of uh, my business was what to charge people, mm. because you got to walk that fine line between scaring them off and cheapening your brand. Yep. So trying to find that that nice sweet spot where you know. I'm not a philanthropic organization. Sure. You know, I want to make. I don't make a ton of money. I don't need to make a ton of money. Yeah. But I need to make money. Sure. Uh, but you and that was that was hard. And that's I've talked to a number of 
my chef buddies that are in this business. And that's always the, you know, one of the, one of the things that's happened recently, and I've talked to, I mean, I've got the number of parties that I've done over the last couple of months, and I've got a bunch of them coming up. And I told all my clients, guys, I'm raising my prices. You have to. My, my, my prices are, are up. I mean, beef's up, chicken's up, pork's up, everything that I buy is up. So I have to raise my price. Yep. And I'll tell you that in Charlotte, I got, you know, 99% of my clients are great people. Yep. I mean, nice people. They love it. We have, uh, I, my, I've not spent over the years, I've not spent one penny on advertising. Not a penny. Just word of mouth. Word of mouth. People go to a party, they try the food, and they, wow, this is great. Quality of work. Business cards. Got to have business cards. And I always ask people when I when I do a party, is it okay if I put my business card out? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I did this, this uh, I had a party last Friday night that uh, I probably will get five or six different uh, events out of it. It's awesome. Which is great. It's yeah. just, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I love food. You were mentioning me going to restaurants. Yeah. People say, you got to be a pain in the neck going to a restaurant. <laughs> And I and I tell people, you know what? I'm not. I really am not. Yeah. I mean, I will judge a restaurant based upon the kind of restaurant it is. Sure. Okay. That's a good point. So if it is a eh, mid-tier restaurant, I'm not looking for five-star food and service. Yeah, you're not. You're not holding it to the can. What's, the, what's the Italian restaurant you were saying? Uh, yeah, the El Lavadado. Yeah, no. you're not. You're not no. holding it to that. No. Uh, so I mean, I will go in and. If service is a little off or that, that's okay. I understand that. If I go to a five-star restaurant, it better be five-star. Sure. Uh, so my expectations really. Now, I'm a great uh, joint guy. I love joints. I love dirt. You know, parallel parking lot, and you have dirt and a log cabin, and you have steamer trays. And, yeah. I mean, you down in the south, I find those all. I stop at places that we're on the road, and I go, oh, that, with my wife, and I'll say, Alex, we're not stopping there. Oh, yeah, we are. In we go. And it's just, oh, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, it's just, I love food. Uh, people ask me, well, yeah, yeah, and it, which people have often said, well, gee, uh, when are you going to open a restaurant? And I said, never. Yeah, I was going to say, never. Stay where you're at. Yeah. And there's, people don't understand. The, the, a lot of people don't understand the, the whole food business, restaurant business. You can be a great chef. You can be a tremendous chef, but you don't know how to run a business. Yep. You're going to be out of business. 100%. I think the number is that 80% of new restaurants are shut down within two years. Because people, I see it. people don't know how to run them. I've seen it the yeah. last 13 years that we've had the paper company. Yeah. It's like, I see somebody, they make a good barbecue or they make a good pie or they want to, yeah. and, they, and they take their life savings and they yeah. open it up. And man, Bill, I, we, I try my hardest. I'll make them an inventory sheet, par levels, week one. Here, use this to do your ordering for the paper stuff. Right. Stick to it. Like you, you can't right. call me Saturday night at nine o'clock and you Say, know media. I'm out of, <laughs> you know, I don't got gloves or film uh, or to go yeah. boxes. I'm like, man, I can't, you know. Yeah, but I mean, we try. Yeah. But you know, it's um. You got to. But you, you're 100 percent correct. Got to be. I also I, a number of restaurant, a uh, number of sh owners of restaurants in town too that I know. Yep. I have a hard time with guys that, and and I'll and I talk, you know, I tell them this the really reallys. If you've got a restaurant that is very successful, it doesn't matter what kind of restaurant it yeah. is. I mean, it could be 
mid-tier, it could be whatever. If you yeah. got it and you're just killing it, yeah. you're having, you know, you're just killing it. Yeah. Everybody wants to expand. Let's open another one. No. Yeah. Don't. Or because here's your restaurant that is extremely successful. You're there. You're there a lot. Yeah. You're watching it, overseeing it. Now you open another one. Mm. Half here, half there. Yeah. Which, you know, you're not going to be as successful because you're not there half the time. The only way that you can do that successfully is if you get a general manager or whatever that you trust with your life yep. to run that second restaurant. Yep. But people get, they get greedy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, you're not only now, now, now you're not, you just, you have two eh, holding on by the skin of your teeth restaurants. Yeah. So, no, I'm not uh, restaurant business. No, thank you. We'll, we'll stick with the yeah. uh, personal chef. Uh, what, yeah. Industry. Well, what's, what's great about my job too, my business is one, I control my, my schedule. Sure. I mean, so if I want to go to, if I want to go to uh, France for six weeks, see ya. <laughs> I'm gone That's for great. six weeks. Uh, but S speaking of next trip you want to take is where? Um, we were supposed to go to Portugal and Spain okay. in, in 2020, but we, we didn't do that Push because back, of yeah. COVID. You still uh, want to go? Portugal, Spain? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Greece is another, I've never yeah, been to Greece. Got to go to Greece. I love it. But what was interesting, uh, 2020, my wife and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. So it was, and that's, we were going to Portugal and Spain to, to do, to eat. Yeah. And so we couldn't do that. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a place called the Inn at Little Washington. It's in, what's it called? It's the Inn at Little Washington. Okay. It is in Washington, Virginia. It's oh. about a half, it's about 30 miles southwest of D.C. Okay. And it's out in the country. Well, the, the owner, the, the owner chef of this place, a guy named Patrick O'Connell, uh, it is a three-star Michelin restaurant uh -huh. and, and hotel inn. And it, we were there for two nights. That was a bucket list thing of mine to do. Really? It was a, one of the greatest culinary experiences I've ever had. Wow. It's, it's, it's you know, my wife and I kid, I said we spent in two days almost what we were going to spend in Portugal and Spain. Wow. Uh, it's, it's expensive, but I'm telling you, I'd go tomorrow again. Yeah, you always hear about these places, French Laundry, these Michelin this star ratings. This is the this is the East Coast French Laundry. Is it? Yeah. It's just, it's breathtaking. Wow. Patrick, I had an opportunity to meet and to spend some time with, which was very cool. Uh-huh. But keep in mind, this is, he is, it's uh, three, four months to get a reservation wow. for dinner. I mean, you really have to plan. Uh, and it's a little town, 250 people. That's it. I mean, it's just, it's the, the restaurant, the hotel. Um, but Patrick is uh, somewhat uh, of an A-type a personality. And he hated to have his restaurant, and at the time there was there was a fifty uh, percent capacity limitation, so half his restaurant was empty. Yep. He hated that. Hated that. He didn't want his restaurant empty. Yeah. So what he did is he went out and he got mannequins. <laughs> he dressed them to the teeth. He put food in front of them. No kidding. He had speakers under the table, carrying on conversations. This is last year? 2020. 
Wow. So it was, so it was, gave you the impression that his restaurant was full and vibrant Five. and just, it was hysterical. I love that. But uh, great. If, if you, if you ever just a special, special any, any place. Other, any other restaurant like that you've been to here in the States or in this area, North Carolina, uh, anything like Carolina, that? Carolina, the restaurant, I'll tell you, my two favorite restaurants in the town closed. Is where? They closed. Did they? Yeah. I was sorry to see them go. Blue was one which was spectacular. Uh -huh. And then there was a, a French restaurant over on uh, uh, Providence Road. It was called the uh, uh, Axe en Provence. Axe en Provence. And it was really good French food. Wow. Uh, Monty Smith is a restaurateur in town. Okay. And he has two restaurants. One is called uh, Cafe Monte. It's over in South Park. Okay. And it is a French bistro. Not a restaurant. It's a bistro. Okay. Home run. Knocked that out of the park. And then he opened up a second one in Phillips Place called uh, Southern Pecan. And it is Tex Cajun, kind of go across the southern, go across the Gulf Coast, that type of food. It's pretty good. Shout out to Monty, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Monty, Monty's a good guy. And he's uh, he runs a really really good restaurant. Nice, good for him. Yeah. So it's, uh, but and then there's some joints in town. I don't know if you've ever eaten at uh, Mert's Heart and Soul. Mert's is a joint. It's uptown. It's on College and Tryon, I think. And it is Southern Soul food. Best damn cornbread I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean that the real thin pork chops and, and fried chicken and collard greens and yeah, black eyed the bacon. classics. Just great stuff. Great food. So speaking of great food, let's uh, let's wrap up with doing sure. this. We got Thanksgiving next week. Yep. Okay. Yep. What are some dishes that people should be preparing? You know, what, what are what are some uh, thanks, any any tips out there for anybody thanks, watching? Thanksgiving is probably my most favorite meal. Okay. I love Thanksgiving. Let's hear about it. And uh, the reason I love Thanksgiving is it's family and it's food. Mm. And that's just, to me, that's just, my uh, daughter and my two grandkids are coming down, son-in-law. Uh, and it's funny, uh, uh, you can't, in the, in the uh, kitchen, I've got a picture. My grandson, Jackson, is 11. Uh, he's my sous chef. When the, the he, cooking, huh? Oh, I, I've got him, and he is. <laughs> yeah, I've got him. I got him. And he is. He's appeared on uh, Charlotte today a couple of times with me, and nice. he's always here cooking. Uh, I've got him to a point where he's he can saute. I mean, he's over the over the oven at eleven. Yeah, and we're working on a knife. I don't let him use a knife. Okay. By himself, I'm sure. always there, but he's almost at a point. Okay. And then my granddaughter Vivi uh, is Vivi's seven, and she is also. We're starting to, so, and I bought them. They both got coach, uh, chef coats, you know, Chef Jackson, Chef Vivi. They got their hats. And, <laughs> I love so, that. But, so they'll be down, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we get them on Monday before, so they're going to help me make my pies and all that kind of stuff. Thanksgiving to me, turkey. Okay. Brine my turkey. If the uh, tip, yep. brine your turkey. Okay. Okay. And the brines, you know, do it overnight, put it in a big old pot, water, uh, Salt. Uh, I'm going to use uh, apple cider. I'm going to use rosemary, thyme, juniper berry, all kinds of stuff. Just throw it in there and let it sit overnight. Okay. And so that makes it, gives it some flavor, imparts some flavor, but also it, it makes your turkey very, very moist. Okay. Um, don't overcook your bird. Okay. You know, you hear stories of people, God, I got up at seven o'clock this morning. And I, if you, 
Do you remember the, the movie Christmas Vacation? Yes. Chevy Chase is sitting out there, and he cuts the bird, and then goes, <laughs> it explodes. That's what happens when you overcook a turkey. Turkeys are done at 160, 155 to 165 <coughs> degrees. That's when they're done. Yank them, pull yep. them out, yep. let them sit. Got to let them rest. Okay. Let those juices redistribute through the turkey. Okay. If you take that thing out and cut it immediately, it's like a fire hose. It juices everywhere. Um, so just don't overcook it. Okay. When I buy a turkey and or a roasting chicken, anything like that, and they get the little pop-up, yep. the first thing I do is take that and throw that away. Okay. Those things are set to pop at 185. Gotcha. And the manufacturer does that to protect themselves. Undercooking. Undercooked. So mm. 155 to 165, done. It's done, okay. Done. Um, you know, I don't I don't cover my bird at all. I will take butter and throw it under the skin, under the breast skin and down the legs. Cover it, olive oil, salt, pepper. That's it. Cool. I, and I baste it. So I put it in uh, 350, start basting it about every half hour. Okay. Get that really brown, crispy skin. So that's, turkey is... Turkey's not hard to cook. You just can't overcook it. Yeah. You overcook it, it's horrible. Um, I always, and I'm being a Yankee, being a, a northerner, uh, I stuff my bird. Okay. I don't do dressing. Okay. The Southie will do dressing, which is the pans of dressing on the yep. side. Yep. Uh, I make my own. Okay. In fact, uh, in the back, I've got my bread staling right now. I use stale sourdough bread okay. to make a bread stuffing. And I basically, my kids love, it's actually, it's my mom's recipe. And my kids love it. In a couple of years, I, I, you know, I tried oysters and I tried cran. They said, Dad, stop it. Do grandma's recipe, yeah. dressing. And it's basic. It's, it's bread, it's uh, egg, it's um, celery, onion, mushroom. Uh, a little bit of, you don't want to moisten it too much because there's a lot of moisture in the turkey. Okay. And I just, then I, I stuff the bird. Nice. Uh, mashed potatoes, got to have mashed potatoes. And I do, uh, with my mashed potatoes, a lot of people will add uh, uh, milk. Yep. I add sour cream. Okay. So it's the mashed potato. Don't overcook your potatoes. Put your, cut your potatoes in uniform size. You don't want big pieces, little pieces. All about the same size. Okay. Pot of cold water, bring it to a boil, 18 minutes. Once it boils, 18 minutes, you're done. Yep. Mash them. Uh, sour cream, salt, pepper, melted butter. Why would you take hot potatoes and put cold stuff in it? No. So I do that. Uh, gravy. Uh, I, I make great gravy. I make great gravy. You're a sauce guy. Uh, you're a sauce guy. I, I, always, I always make my gravy using a roux. Okay. Uh, I tell people uh, there's three types of sausages you can make. One is with uh, flour and water. A lot of a lot of people use flour and water yeah. as, a, and it's I say you know what's paste made out of, flour and water. That's why your gravy tastes like paste. You're making it with paste. Gotcha. Roux, butter and butter and uh, and uh, flour. I'm sorry. Uh, equal uh, to, you know two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of flour, to uh, to four cups of, of liquid. And it made just, it's no lumps, no, it's just great. So I make great gravy. Uh, throw a little white wine in there, you know, give it a little zip. Um, Sounds like your Thanksgiving is going to be pretty nice oh, next yeah, week, it'll huh? Be good. Um, my pies, I'm fine, I'm excited this year. I love 
pumpkin pie. Okay. I love pumpkin pie. Nobody in my family eats pumpkin pie. <laughs> Nobody. So I end up making, you know, pecan pie, apple pie. I'll make an apple pie. Yeah. But my, I was talking to my grandson the other day. He said, Papa, he said, what kind of pies are you going to make? I said, uh, he said, can you make a pumpkin pie? I said, why? He said, I love a done. So we're making pumpkin pies love this year. It. Love so it. we're going to do that. So, and it's fun. I mean, we, it's, I love Thanksgiving. I can tell. Christ I, can, I can tell it's a big. Uh, Chris Christmas is just chaos. You know, and a, food to me in, 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 at Christmas time is kind of an afterthought, mm. especially with kids. Yeah. I mean, but Thanksgiving, it's about food. I, when I got out of Johnson & Wales, originally what I wanted to do, um, and it never came to fruition, I wanted to be a personal chef for a family. And my criteria would be, I will come, I will prepare dinner for you, but your family has to sit at the table and eat I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I have three brothers and a sister. And the seven of us, we ate dinner together every night. And I, we weren't the cleavers. I mean, come on. It wasn't, you know. And it was, but we were together. Yeah. And that, to me, is, that's missing in today's society. Mm. And so, uh, but I wanted to do that. And I, I had a couple of clients that I talked to, and they just couldn't buy into the, we're here every night. Okay. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be you. Yeah. But uh, so it's Thanksgiving is important to me. I love it. It's, it's kind of it. cool. Bill, this is great. Good. I think yeah. this was great. You know, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nick, thank you. I think, uh, you know, we definitely got an inside perspective on your background, your company, you know, what a personal chef is. It's not a catering company. Not a gator. <laughs> not a gator. So, but, uh, but I love just the experiences you've had. Yeah. The restaurants, the things that you've seen, uh, your style of, 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 you know, cooking, and then even just, you know, going overseas for an extended period of time. And ha I mean, I, I, think, I think it really... Uh, brings a lot of value, yeah. and so it's, it's it's added a lot. I mean, I've got uh, I've gotten a lot out of it. Uh, and again, I, I've said that the, the melding of my business background, my culinary background, and just my uh, Midwest background, yeah, has really really helped form who I am and sure. what I do. So it's kind of cool. It's fun. love it, yeah. love it. So here you go, Midwest Midwest guy. You know, P and G turns uh, personal chef. And now I'm a now I'm a southerner. Yeah, now yeah, you've now been, I'm a southerner. You've been down here long enough, so you betcha. But uh, anyway, we got tips here from uh, Chef Bill on your Thanksgiving meal, things you should do, tweak, um, and uh, you know what, love it. Appreciate the time, Bill. Nick, thanks for having me. Absolutely, this, this has been fun. I Absolutely, love, I love talking food. Absolutely, me too. Good to me see too. You, so appreciate you so much, and we'll see you guys you. In the next episode. Thank you. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.